Welcome to Imagine With Us podcast with Rabbi Michael Lerner and Kat Zavis. In this episode, in honor of the holiday season, we have decided to dream big and imagine a truly transformed and loving world. We invite you to imagine with us. Imagine With Us is actually the name of this whole series of podcasts. And so it's always appropriate to allow yourself to move away from the so-called real world, that is the world as defined by the powerful, who will over and over again tell you the way things are is the only way things can be. That's the real world. Whereas your desires and aspirations, that's something that has no place in the public sphere, but you're allowed to have it in private. We want to bring your aspirations and desires for a different kind of world into focus in the public sphere to use that as a guide for transformation from the existing reality to a reality that really nurtures human beings, nurtures our capacity to be caring and loving and kind and generous and environmentally sensitive and responding to the universe with awe and wonder. That's a big jump. It's a jump that we believe is absolutely necessary in order to transform the world. That is, to begin to imagine the world that you really want. So in this conversation now, we're going to start some of our own speculations and articulating our desires for a different kind of world with the hope that you will see that it's not impossible to allow those thoughts to go through your own head about the world that you want. And here's the secret message that maybe we'll repeat at the end, is that precisely by getting you and your friends and everybody you know to start to imagine the world that you really want is the way to build the foundation for a movement that could really change the society. So that's what we're going to do. Before we do that, and whenever you encourage other people to do this same kind of thinking and imagining, there's one critical step. You've got to take off the cap on your head that is the uh, reality police. The reality police are all the forces in the world that have told you since you were a little kid right up to this moment that, no, that's not possible. What's only possible is what's actual. Get rid of all those voices. That's a big challenge. And listening to this and encouraging your friends to listen to this is a step in the path of removing the reality police from your mind, at least temporarily, okay? Eventually, we want to do it not just temporarily, but permanently. But as a first step, it's really important to get rid of, at least, let's say, for an hour, to get rid of the reality police that are going to be coming back to any moment shouting at you, it can't happen, it will never happen, forget it, don't, don't dare think that way. We know those voices. We have them on our own heads as well. And everybody that we've ever met or talked to or ever heard of all have those same voices in their heads. That's what's keeping the current reality going, is that. Here's this little exercise. Try it today just for the time of this podcast and maybe give it an hour afterwards if you really want to venture to allow yourself to to imagine 
the world that you really want. So I'm going to give you an exercise to remove that reality please cap, if you will. So with your non-dominant hand, place your hand on your head and envision literally taking off that reality please hat and placing it beside you. And, and you know because it's beside you, you can put it back on at any time or it might jump back on your head without you being aware of it during the course of this podcast even. And when it does, I want to invite you to say to it, thank you. I'm going to live in this world of imagining the world I yearn for and want. And I'm going to leave the reality police aside for right now. So I woke up this morning in this vision and dream of this world that I was yearning for, that I yearn for every day. And my curtains were closed, so I couldn't see the outside world. And I didn't want to open the curtains. I, I was torn between opening the curtains and keeping them closed because I thought if I kept them closed, I could still live in this world. And maybe if I opened them, that world would exist. And this is what I saw. This is the world that I saw when I woke up this morning. A truly transformed world. A world where our fields and our grasses and our lawns are filled with growing food for everybody and flowers and beauty, and clover leaves for children and adults to run and play in and play games with each other. And the food is abundantly available to people to get and pick and eat as they need. And in this world, I also saw people who needed healthcare going to holistic healthcare centers where they were met with bubbling, recycling water to soothe their souls and music a piano or a guitar that you could pick up and play if you had that capacity. And then you were met with somebody who was trained in talking with you about the complexities of your whole being. Welcome. What is it that, that you're here for today? What is it that ails you in your heart and mind and body and soul? And they would engage in the empathic, present conversation of deep listening and at the end of that conversation, they would have clarity about how best to serve you, whether you needed a massage or acupuncture or Chinese medicine or an allopathic doctor or a naturopathic doctor. What was the care that you were most needing? Or maybe you were needing to talk to a spiritual director or a psychologist or psychiatrist or social worker. And that process would be worked out in collaboration with you in a patient process where you felt held and cared for, not as broken pieces of a whole being, but rather as a whole united being, being met in your wholeness with respect and dignity. I also envisioned community learning centers where people of all ages, of all backgrounds come together and they learn and they share their talents and gifts with each other from the youngest to the most elder, where people are valued for the gifts that they have are inspired to try on new skills and talents, to read new books, to discuss them, to question them, to explore together from their minds and hearts and souls what they need to learn, what they want to learn, where people aren't graded based on objective standards, but are uplifted and encouraged to find their unique gifts to bring into this world, 
to contribute to making our world a better place. I envisioned a re-envisioned Congress without the Senate as we currently know it, completely abolished, and that the House is where we have one congressional house, and that house represents the populace of the citizenry of the United States, each state with an appropriate proportionate number of representatives, as is currently done, that are truly elected by the people without any private funding whatsoever, completely publicly funded elections, so that it's truly representative of the citizenry. And that instead of a Senate, we have what we would call a house of wisdom, a house composed of people from each state, from the youth to the elders, so that we have a vision, we're holding the wisdom of the elders while simultaneously the hope and vision of the future from the youth. And this house of wisdom might also include spiritual and faith leaders and wisdom keepers and elders from different communities and youth from different communities so that they are advisors and informers and reflectors of the highest values and the biggest dreams and hopes of what could be a just and loving world. And they have no ability to pass legislation or veto legislation from the the House of Representatives. The House of Representatives is the only place where you'll actually have people creating laws. And hence, we will not have this awful Senate that was created in the first place to make sure that democracy wasn't what was going to happen in the United States. It was created by the slave states and demanded upon by the people who were wanting to form the Union that they had to have that kind of representation so that they could block anything that, for example, would end slavery. And so we envision a Congress that is truly representative of the people. Also, I envisioned corporations and businesses that rather than caring about the bottom line of money, actually care about their employees And maybe instead of employees, all these businesses, in fact, are cooperatives where the employees own the business and participate in making determinations and decisions about what the business should do and how it should function. And that these decisions would be informed by knowledge and information about the planet's needs and caring for the planet, as well as ensuring that the products that they're producing are actually for the benefit of humanity and not just to meet people's cravings to suppress their hurt through and their pain through buying and purchasing things that they don't really need. I saw every single person living in a secure home where they're comfortable and cared for. I also saw homes being powered by solar and wind and vehicles being human-powered, and the noise and the sounds of vehicles and factories and all these sounds started to diminish and decrease so dramatically that just as we have during COVID in many places, we're able to hear the sounds of birds and animals and see animals and birds and rebirthing and rejuvenating, and, and things are so much more quiet and 
It just has a level of creating a sense of peacefulness on our nervous system. And we feel more grounded and peaceful and calm because of that silence and stillness that we're able to really experience again and again during the day. And because we became more aware of the preciousness of the resources of the planet, we were more mindful, we became more mindful of utilizing electricity and power. And so in the evenings, more lights are turned off. Buildings don't leave their lights on all night. Cities become more quiet, restful places. And then the night sky lights up like a magic show with the stars and the planets. And we can see it more easily with our naked eyes because of the reduction of the artificial lights from buildings. And it was the most spectacular sky. It's such a beautiful experience. And in that space of seeing this beautiful sky and hearing or not hearing silence or not hearing unnecessary noise, the experience of connection, of deep connection with the planetary systems of the universe and the animals and plant life of this beautiful planet on which we live became alive. And I could feel it vibrating and pulsating in me and around me and in the universe. And it was just so amazing and so powerful that you could start to imagine and feel and experience the love that pulsates throughout the universe, the love that holds the planets in place, the love that keeps us connected to the planet and to each other, the love that runs through our veins and pores that keeps us alive and connected with each other and feeling the awe and wonder of this spectacular planet on which we are so blessed to live. This world that we want will also have a different attitude towards national identities. On the one hand, national identities are fine. There's been a lot of creativity in different national groupings and in the form of literature, dance, poetry, all kinds of areas in which people have been able to create a sustainable culture for themselves. And that's good. That should be embraced. But what we want to see also is an overcoming of the kind of radical nationalism that leads people to say, we're better, or we're the only ones who know the real reality of, of life, and everybody else who's not part of our national grouping is not okay. So we want to see a world in which nationalism has been overcome in that way, insofar as we need any kind of larger entities besides our city or states, that they be environmental districts put together in order to figure out the best way to use the resources of that area to cooperate with the resources of what others in different areas so that we can only produce things that are healthy for the planet and healthy for the future of human life. That also leads to another related part of my dream, and that is that we really want to eliminate national borders. That is to say, like Europe has done in the past several decades, in which people are free to travel from one country to another country, and there's a high level of cooperation. Yes, it's in its early stages, and yes, there are problems to be still to be worked out, but we have some concrete example there in the European Union of how 
national boundaries could be overcome. Now, people then say, oh, well, everybody's going to come to the United States and push here. And the truth of the matter is most people do not want to come to the United States because they can enjoy our prairies and our mountains and how beautiful it is here because there are a lot of other beautiful places on earth. They come here because they're starving or because they can't survive in their own country because of the ruling elites that have been empowered by Western countries that have armed their elites. So part of this dream then is that we need to create an ongoing global Marshall Plan in which we share the wealth and the food and all that we have in this country with other countries. We don't, of course, yet share it with everybody here. So another part of the dream is to eliminate poverty in this country, to eliminate hunger, to eliminate homelessness. And that can be done. This is not the wild dream part of this vision. It's something that could easily be done if that was our priority. So we need to eliminate poverty, homelessness in this country, but then we need to help other countries to do the same so that we can look to other countries and feel like, no, they're not going to want to come here. They only want to come here when they've got oppressive regimes and inadequate way of of taking care of their own families. So yeah, open borders, let people come and let us go there and let it be a grand unity of all the peoples of the earth, recognizing us as earthlings, earthlings that feel connected, not just to people like us, but to everybody else. And in my vision, the issues around hunger and homelessness are resolved on local levels in growing local foods and eating those foods that are grown locally to you so that you're nourishing the planet and we're not using tons of resources to ship food across continents. And in these community learning centers and outside of them, we have artists of all sorts of creative endeavors sharing their talents and working together and teaching those skills to others so that we can experience the beauty of dance and painting and creative sculptures and movement and plays and storytelling. And part of what we are sure that we create in this new world is the storytelling of who we've been in the past and how we got to this new place today so that we can remind ourselves and teach future generations of the errors of our ways and be sure that we continue to value and appreciate the amazing reality in which we now live. And that storytelling, that storytelling would happen in our government, regularly be retold in our government by different storytellers, by different creative artists and performers, so that our government is reminded of who they've been in the past and the incredible transformation of who they are today and who they're supposed to serve And they would have a document that would be read regularly that articulates the founding values of a loving and just world where we care for each other, where we embrace the stranger, where we work as hard as we can to ensure that the most vulnerable and needy are truly cared for holistically and wholly, where we look in each other's face and see the divinity of each other. Yesterday, during my day, I was driving And as I was driving, I decided that every person that I saw on the street or in a car, that I would look at them as if they were a reflection of the divine. And I wondered as I was doing that, if they could feel that and if they could see their own divinity or feel their own divinity in that moment. 
And I wonder what kind of world we would create if we each every day spent even half an hour as we're moving about in space when we get to do that again outside of our own homes. And we look at each other as an embodiment, a true embodiment of the divine. How many broken souls could be repaired just through that? And that if our society actually then reflected that, our institutions actually responded and reflected the fact that we are treating people and see people as precious beings rather than as objects or um, rather than as uh, Martin Buber said, it's, we see them as thou's and related to them in an I-thou relationship. Now in that world, we're still going to have to do some work. One thing that we can imagine is that the workload will be dramatically decreased to something like not more than four days a week and a total of 28 hours a week. How can that happen? Because we're not going to produce goods simply for the sake of making money. We're going to produce only that which is really needed for human life. Those decisions will be made on a local and regional level, but coordinated with other countries around the world. In fact, the work world itself will feel very different because when people start to create goods and services that are based on embracing human beings and enhancing our capacities for caring and for love and for creativity and for celebrating the universe, but for also feeding everybody on the planet and taking care of everybody else, that work will feel like it has real meaning to people. One of the things that we discovered in the research we did about the psychodynamics of the world of work is that people actually have a deep hunger for meaning and purpose to their life, to contribute in some important way. We have the possibility of doing that if we reorganized our work in such a way that we could make it sustainable for the planet and enhance the life support systems of the planet rather than destroy them. People would love to do that. They don't think it's possible, and hence they don't vote for people who are promising to make some steps in that direction. But allow people, your friends, yourself, to envision a world in which work was reconfigured in that way, and you'll see how good it would make people feel to do that. So again, here's a moment of transcending the reality police and envisioning a world that actually will satisfy people's needs much more deeply than they're satisfied when they're producing goods that destroy the planet or that are unfulfilling in any other level except that they, somebody can sell them and make a buck off of them. That's an important part of transforming our world and people will love it. If you encourage them to envision a world that would really be the kind of world they want, that's why we say, imagine with us. And now we're asking you to get yourself and friends to imagine with you what the kind of world that they would really want. So when I woke up this morning after having that conscious, unconscious awakening dream of this different world, perhaps you can imagine why I felt torn about whether to open the curtains or not, because part of me wanted to open the curtains and step into this new world. And part of me wanted to stay 
in bed, recognizing that if I opened the curtains, we would not yet be in this new world. And yet part of what gets us to that new world is seeing it in our mind's eye, tasting it, feeling it, really allowing ourselves to experience it and opening the curtains to step into the possibility of that world, to step into that new world and co-create that new world with us and with all those in your community and in your circles. Thank you for joining us. Please follow and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And please share this with your friends and invite them to follow us as well. You can become engaged with our work and learn more about us at tikkun, T-I-K-K-U-N.org and spiritualprogressives.org. We'd love to hear from you. To reach us, email me, cat, C-A-T, at spiritualprogressives.org with the subject heading, Imagine With Us. And you can buy Rabbi Lerner's book, Revolutionary Love, at tikkun.org, rev, R-E-V, love. And special thanks to Emma's Revolution for their amazing music. You can hear more of their music at emmasrevolution.com, and you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.